0: So we made it to the end of Jeremiah, at least that we are today. We're going to finish off our walk through Jeremiah over the past year. And if there's one thing I hope that you've gleaned from this, it's that Jeremiah still speaks to us today. He's not some old, dry, dusty prophet that doesn't have much to say about life in America in these days. I think there's a lot. I hope you've seen that Jeremiah still speaks the word of God is living and active and though we're a different people in a different time in a different place than the people of Israel were um, there are a lot of things that Jeremiah still has to say to us about about the way that God shapes and forms our lives he is still the potter and we are still the clay in his hands there is still a strong call that we need to hear from our God about repentance a call back to him there still needs to be this continual turning back to the Lord. And, and there's still as much for us to learn about living as strangers in this world. We just sang that heaven is my home. I'm a stranger here. There is still much for us to learn about. We, we haven't left yet and we're not leaving. Well, who knows what the Lord has in mind. But we have a life here yet to live. And how do we live here as exiles? Today we want to consider very brief, well, I'm never brief. But today we want to consider what God has to say to us about our lives as exiles. These are the closing words of Jeremiah chapter 52, beginning at verse 31. In the 37th year of the exile, so 37 out of 70 years, in the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the year of Aval Marduk, he's the son of Nebuchadnezzar, in the year Marduk became king of Babylon, on the twenty fifth day of the twelfth month, he released Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and freed him from prison. He spoke kindly to him, and gave him a seat of honor higher than those of the other kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin put aside his prison clothes, and for the rest of his life ate regularly at the king's table. Day by day, the king of Babylon gave Jehoiachin a regular allowance as long as he lived till the day of his death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you continue to show us once again that your word is true, It's living and active from age to age endures. It does. Your word endures forever. Even when kings try to cut it up and throw it into the fire, when people disregard it, your word remains. And so let these words that we hear today, the words that we continue to hear day after day and week after week from your word, let those words, let the words of my mouth, let the meditating of our hearts, the hearing of those words, let it all be pleasing in your sight so that we might build our house upon the rock of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so now that the World Series is over, we can finally talk about it openly. What are the chances the Brewers can make it next year? Al, what are the chances? I mean, is, is, at least I'm not a super big Brewers fan. I know that uh, Al is. Al says, Al's giving me a big thumbs up. Right, so the chances, so Al thinks the chances are really good that we'll make it to the wild card round next year and maybe even to the next round after that. The other question is, what, what are the chances Craig Council is going to stay? That's a lot of thumbs down. Right, we're, we're constantly, as we evaluate, and I'm not a big, I'm a, I'm a bigger Brewers fan than I was before. How about that? I'm a, how about the Bucks? Chances of this year being good? Thumbs, thumbs, Vince is giving a big thumbs up. Okay, all right. We're, we're, in silly ways, right? This is kind of silly. You're probably like wondering what is going on with Pastor Borman right now. He's giving, a, we're doing a poll about the success of our sports team. In a lot of ways, right, about so trivial things like that that don't really matter. Like we're constantly evaluating and thinking about the odds, the chances of our team or, or whatever it is doing well. If we get a little bit more serious, we should talk about the odds of our retirement being enough and lasting. I know that I'm not anywhere close to retirement yet, but I'm starting to think and probably should have thought about this a lot sooner is, how can I set aside enough now so that when the Lord says that you're done working because you just can't anymore, how will you have enough? And if you're in retirement, you're watching the stock market, you're watching your retirement savings, you're you're paying attention to it a little bit because you want to make sure, you want to at least try to make sure that you have enough to make it till the Lord calls you home. And what about your health? Right? There, to me, I, I, I'm, I think about this, even though I'm a long ways away, I hope from retirement, that it'd be great if my health would last post-retirement too, so that I can work and work and work and work and then enjoy some of the things that you don't enjoy as much when you're working, like I can enjoy grandkids and great-grandkids if the Lord gives me enough life, where you have the health and strength to be able to roll on the floor with them still. Right, we, we talk we think about the chances of health and wealth. And maybe you're not thinking so far down the road or you're thinking but you're more thinking about the present. What are the chances that my life, the income that I have, the life that I have is gonna be able to maintain and be sustained? And if I take just a moment to pull the band aid off, when Pastor Krieger held his call, we asked the question, what are the chances that he'll go? We we thought to ourselves, I'm pulling the Band-Aid off. We thought to ourselves, well, he's having a baby. His wife's having a baby. He just gets to hold it. He's having a baby in about a month, okay? Just got started here. He's he's a Michigander kid from the middle of Michigan. What are the chances that a Michigander kid from the middle of Michigan is going to move to the middle of Iowa, to the middle of Mormon country, to start a church that doesn't exist yet? And now that he's taken the call and decided to go, there's maybe a question that we don't want to say out loud, but I'll say it. What are the chances he'll do it? Okay, there's no building, there's no church, there's no weekly get. Sorry, Pastor Krieger, I'm not trying to be a downer. I did tell him I was going to do this to him. So he's not super surprised. What are the chances that he'll actually do it? It's him and a couple of families. (laughs) Ron says thumbs up. There's a lot of thumbs up behind you, Pastor Krieger. There's double thumbs up way upstairs. What are the chances? What are the odds? And, and I think for Mount Lebanon, we're asking some of the same questions in our, in our quiet moments. When we think about the future of Mount Lebanon, we're asking the question, well, what about us? There's a church on the north side. They finally got a pastor, I think, after three or four years of calling. What are the chances we'll get a guy? I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just trying to be real. What, what are the odds? And what are the odds that the gathering of people here that's, that we've been pushing forward for, for years? I mean, before Pastor Krieger and I, Pastor Bullis, and the pastors before us, we've been charging forward for years. We're getting close to 100 years. What are the chances that we'll make it to 105 and 110 and 125? And so when a lot of our members are driving in, what are the chances we'll still be here? And our ministry will continue to push forward by God's grace. What are the chances? And what about you? We're we're in the end times part of the church here, and we think about Jesus coming back and we, and we think about ourselves, what are what are the chances, the odds that when Jesus comes back, I'll be one that he'll welcome into heaven? We stand our kids in front of us for, for their confirmation day and they make their promises to be faithful to God until the day he returns. So help me, God, we pray. And God be praised. Our kids are, some of our kids are still around, but what's the sad joke we say? Confirm them and then you might not see them again. What are the odds that our kids will make it to the last day? Faithful. And full of faith in Jesus. And what about me and you? There are 350 souls who are counted as members of Mount Lebanon, but there are not 350 people here today. Some of them we have not seen in decades or years. And just because they're not in church does not mean that they've lost their faith. But what about you? You who have remained faithful and you're here today, praise God. Will you still remain in the faith tomorrow? What are the chances that each one of us will make it to the last day full of faith? The odds for Jehoiachin were not good. He was king of Israel, king of Judah, the northern kingdom. He was king of Judah for only three months. He was the son of King Josiah. Josiah was the good king. Jehoiachin was not. He turned from the Lord. He turned from the Lord's ways. He was a king for only three months. And then, this is part of the second deportation. So we didn't cover this history, but there were three times Nebuchadnezzar came. 605, 597, 586. Jehoiachin was taken in 597, taken from the throne, taken by Nebuchadnezzar and put into jail to rot there. Things were not looking good for him. And I want to read to you something that God said to Jehoiachin way back in chapter 22. Guys, if you could throw this on the screen, listen to this. This is what God is saying to Jehoiachin. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand, I would still pull you off. So that signet ring was the, was the ring that you'd use to seal things, to, to make something official, to make something firm and solid. And what God is saying is, even if you were that Jehoiachin, I'm taking you off and throwing you away. So disgusted and angry with Jehoiachin was God that he said he was going to do that. A couple verses later, God said this to him. Go ahead to the next screen. This is what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless. A man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper, nor will none will sit on the throne of David or rule any more in Judah. So like Abraham and Sarah, who didn't have children for all those years, like, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, who didn't have children all those years, this is different, though. Jehoiachin was going to be childless because the Lord's hand was against him. And God was going to ensure that none of his descendants would ever sit on David's throne. Things did not look good for Jehoiachin. Nebuchadnezzar put him in prison for 37 years. For 37 years, he he sat there in prison clothes and thought about, I'm sure, what God had said to him. For 37 years, he ate prison food, which probably wasn't enough and probably wasn't very good. For 37, he sat in the darkness and dinginess of the prison. The odds were not looking very good for him. And then Nebuchadnezzar's son, Avil Marduk, he, he came on throne. And, and after 37 years in prison, fi, around 560 B.C., the prison doors opened for him. Avil Marduk did that. And, and his clothes changed. Prison clothes became royal clothes. And he ate with the king at his table all the days of his life. Things changed for him. But but I want you to know this morning that there's more to Jehoiachin's change, the odds moving in his favor, than just clothes and food and an open prison. I need to ask you to just bear with me just a second, because this is going to be a little bit dot connecting, a little bit tedious. But I want to connect some dots for you so you can see what God is up to. First of all, remember the three curses. One, record this man as childless. Two, no one will sit on David's throne. And three, I'm going to take you off my finger. Let me show you Jehoiachin's family tree. Guys, can you put that up there? Go ahead, two slides. Go back one. Oh, you put it up there, it's too late. Shoot. It's up there anyway. Do you see this? Jehoiachin had a son, Shealtiel. Shealtiel had a son, Padiah. Padiah had a son, Zerubbabel. Now, hold on, Zerubbabel. You want to learn about him? Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai. Okay? Ezra, ne- read Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai. You don't have to read them in that order, but those are the books that talk about him. Zerubbabel was the son of Jeconiah, Jehoiachin who led the people back from exile, 70 years after exile, led them back from exile and helped them rebuild the temple and rebuild the city walls. He's the governor, because Persia's the ruler now, just a governor of the region, but he's the one who sits on David's throne. Okay, and now look to Matthew 1 later on, and Jehoiachim, this one whom God said would be childless, who would never have an heir to sit on David's throne, do you see what God did there? He renewed the covenant with him, even though Jehoiachin had ruined it and broken and destroyed it. God renewed the covenant with him and set his son, his great great grandson, greater David's greater son, on David's throne again. So that Jesus came from Jehoiachin. The odds were in his favor. And what about Zerubbabel? Got to go to Haggai. I'm connecting all these dots for you. Hopefully, it's not too tedious. To Zerubbabel, God said, I will make you like a signet ring on my hand, for I have chosen you. Do you see how God, for this sinful, faithless man, Jehoiachin, whom God said, I will take you off of my finger, do you see how God said, I will put a son of yours on David's throne and make you like a signet ring on my finger again? Once again. Do you see what God did there? And what about to the old man Abraham and his old lady Sarah all those years childless relocating their entire family from where they grew up to where God wanted them to be longing for a son waiting for a son trying for a son but never getting a son what about them Let me tell you about Abraham's faith. Abraham faced the fact, this is Romans 4, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He faced the fact that his wife's womb was also dead. And yet he was persuaded, he wasn't worried about the odds, he was persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised because he knew his God could call things, would call things into being that were not there before. When you have a God who does that, the odds are ever in your favor. And what about Zechariah and Elizabeth? These faithful people, husband and wife, similar to Abraham and Sarah, longing for a child, waiting for God's son to come, waiting for the Messiah to come, longing for a child. They were childless too. In fact, Zechariah had become so hopeless that when God came to him and said, Zechariah, you're going to have a son who's going to prepare the way for the Lord, Zechariah said, "Uh uh-uh. He laughed in disbelief. But when God kept his promise and gave him the son, Zechariah held that son in his arms and all he could do was sing because when you have a God who raises the dead and breathes life into dead wombs, you sing a song because the odds are ever in your favor. And what about the Virgin Mary this, little, this young maiden who had never been with a man before, not in the bedroom, wasn't even married yet. What about her? Could she have a child? Doctors would tell you no. But, but when you have a God who, who overpowers you with his, who shadows... I'm trying to think of the words he comes to you with his mighty power and grace and comes and fills and conceives a son in you when god comes to make his home in your womb when you have a god who calls things into being that were not there before when you have a god who raises the dead when you have a god who comes down and lives inside you and then it comes to live for you and die for you and rise from the dead, when you have a God, when you have in front of you the one who died now risen from the dead, all you can do is sing a song of God's mercy and kindness to you. And what about Jehoiachin? What about him? And what about you and your kids? Those people that used to be in the pews with you and aren't anymore, the people whom you grieve because they're not around and you're not sure where they are with God. There's a promise that God makes to you, that God makes to your children, that God even made to Jehoiachim. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful because the Lord has sealed you with this inscription. It's written the Lord, knows those, the Lord knows those who are his. Your baptism seals you as God's own child. The Lord marks you with the cross here and here. And that's God's little way of saying to you, mine, this one belongs to me. When you have a God like that who raises the dead, who calls things into being that were not there before, who forgives sins and throws them into the depths of the sea, when you have a God like that, the odds are ever in your favor. And what about this new church that Pastor Krieger's going to go to plant in just a few months? What about that? Pastor Krieger, I wish I could say it'd grow great. Like in five, ten years, you could send a report back to, to the church, to, to us, and say, it's, it's going good. Like, we're adding people, we're baptizing people, you know, doing what we did in Mount Lebanon. It was, maybe. I, we, we all pray so. I don't know. This is what we know. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. The word of God does not come back empty or void. And when you labor in the Lord, because of the resurrection of Jesus, when you labor in the Lord, it's never empty. It's never meaningless. I don't know how it's going to go. You don't either. Wish we knew. But we know this. God will not fail. And therefore, you, we, will not fail. And what about us, Mount Lebanon? Pastor Kruger's still part of us, by the way. <laughs> we haven't kicked him out yet. Just kidding. What about us? What, what about our future? What about the ministry that we want to do here? What about the things that we still want to do here? We're not done yet. We don't think that we're done yet. We're going to celebrate 100 years and we're, look for, we're looking for, if the Lord gives it to us, 100 more. What are, what are our chances? I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could say, well, this is what it'll look like in 10 years. I don't know, maybe. I have some ideas, you have some ideas, we all have some ideas. I don't know, though. But this is what we know. We have a God who works mightily in us and through us with the same power that he worked in the resurrection of Jesus, that same God, that same God is at work in us and through us. And our God and Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit, they care about the ministry that we want to do and that we do carry out in His name. He's very interested in it. And so we, can, we trust, don't we? We trust that our God, because of His mighty power and His great love for us, He will do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He can and He will, because that's who He is. So dear people of God, let's rise up. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the things you're up against, whatever you're feeling, let's rise up from the prison of our fear. Let's rise up from the prison of our circumstances and face them because we've taken off the prison clothes and we've put on baptismal clothes, because our sins have been taken off of us and righteousness has been put on us, because our God goes before us, beside us, behind us, below us, above us. And he will not disappoint. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Amen? Now, the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. you. Amen.